It's all about God's amazing grace, church. He is amazing. He loves us. This day in which we live is a day of grace. There's coming a day when Almighty God and the Lamb will pour out their wrath on planet Earth. And that's what we're going to study today in Revelation chapter 6. If you have a copy of God's Word, I invite you to turn with me. We're going to read verses 12 through 17. And it's also going to be printed on our screens behind me. Uh, Today is the sixth seal that is unleashed and broken by none other than the Lamb, by the Lord Jesus Christ. And there are some natural uh, phenomenon, some cosmic upheavals, if you will, that are going to take place during the Great Tribulation. And one of those is, in, in the Greek it says, a megasizmos. A mega, which is large, prodigious, and seismos is where we get words like seismic and seismology. It means an earthquake. Speaking of earthquakes, you would think that in America, the place that has experienced the greatest earthquake would be like California or Alaska, but but that's not true. The greatest and most devastating earthquake ever to hit the United States was of, in all places, New Madrid, Missouri, in the heartland of America. December the 16th, 1811, to February the 7th, 1812, there were five registered earthquakes that registered 8.0 on the Richter scale. And it devastated the topography of the, uh, of the area. No, hardly anybody died because, well, it's just the turn of the century. We didn't have a whole lot of people living in New Madrid, uh, Missouri. But here, here are some of the things that happened. Entire gardens and homes and lands were, were literally engulfed when the earth opened up its mouth and swallowed entire acres uh, of land. The reverberations and the shock from this earthquake in New Madrid were felt as far west as Denver, Colorado, and as far east as Boston, Massachusetts. On the Mississippi River, there were huge waves. Now, can you imagine that for a minute? Not in the ocean, but on the Mississippi River, there were these large waves caused by this mega earthquake. In reading geophysicists and seismologists, they say that the big one is yet to come. Now, the big one, they say, is on the San Andreas Fault, where Los Angeles resides. And there are prognosticators, there are people that believe that there will be millions of people who will be taken within the next few years. I was reading a guy who said years ago, he said within the next 25 years, it's inevitable there will be this massive earthquake that will come to the Los Angeles area. And I read that if another one hits the, uh, the fault, the Madrid fault that hit the uh, Missouri area, then most of Memphis, Tennessee is going to be obliterated. It's, going to, it's just going to, 60% of it, this one guy said, will be destroyed. It's go, this guy, he's a scientist, he goes on to say, you know, Memphis has known about this for years and they are staring down the barrel of a seismic gun, and yet they are doing nothing to prepare themselves for the inevitable for another massive earthquake. Speaking of earthquakes, Jesus himself said in Matthew 24, 7, that in the last days, during the Great Tribulation, there will be earthquakes. And and he says, in diverse places, the King James says. Literally, that means everywhere, in many places, 
there will be earthquakes. And that brings us to the sixth seal of Revelation chapter 6 where Jesus Christ unleashes this massive upheaval of an earthquake and it devastates a planet earth. I look, John said, and when he, now remember the he, the antecedent for he is Jesus Christ. Little babe born in Bethlehem of the Virgin Mary, lived a perfect life, died a substitutionary death, arose from the dead, he reigns victorious, and he is a warrior conquering king. Jesus Christ is coming again, and he will bring about a massive judgment on planet earth. Some of you are looking at me like, that's not the same Jesus I read in the Bible. Read your Bible. He is king. He has now taken the title deed from the Father, and He begins to enact these judgments. That's why I say, when I preach on Revelation, I'm like, you need to get to know Him now, because you will know Him as judge eventually if you don't first know Him. This is a day of grace. This is a day of salvation. And John said, and behold, there was, and there's, there's the Greek word, megas, mega means large, seismos. Literally, that's what it says in the Greek, mega seismos. And John said, in this vision, I see the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, of hair, and the moon became like blood. What is the color of blood? Became red. And the stars, the asteros, the asterisks, where we get words like asteroids, the stars of heaven fell to the earth as a fig tree drops its late figs when it is shaken by a mighty wind. Then the sky receded as a scroll. We have sung this many times in church. When the sky recedes like a scroll, you, you know the song, and when it, when it is rolled up and every mountain and island was moved out of its place. And that's not hard to believe if you have a mega seismos. If you have an earthquake that is coming that is going to dismantle most of planet earth, you can imagine these things happening. Every mountain, island moved out of its place. Now watch this. And the kings of the earth. Now watch this exhaustive list of mankind. The kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave and every free man hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains. And they said to the mountains and the rocks, fall down on us, hide us from the face of Him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb for the great day of God's wrath has come, and who is able to stand? As I study the book of Revelation, I am again so enamored and positively overwhelmed by the grandeur, the majesty, and the power of Almighty God. God created this earth. He can do with this earth what He desires. He created you. And it is God's intention and God's desire and God's amazing grace to save you, to rescue you from your sin and from yourself, to rescue you from a demonic, devilish, fiery hell. It is not God's will that any perish, but that all would come to repentance and believe on His Son. However, most will say thank you, but no thank you, and they will spurn His love they will spit in His face, they will trample on His blood, and they will get what is coming toward them. They will receive the great day of God's wrath. Dr. David Jeremiah, on preaching this passage, 
he made the statement, he said years ago when the Surgeon General came out with a warning about cigarette smoking. I don't know if y'all remember this or not. Years ago, the Surgeon General came out, and in every magazine and newspaper, it says that if you, basically, let me just translate it, if you smoke, you die. That, that's basically what it says. It, it's fancy, and you know, it may lead to complications, and it may lead to cancer. My translation is, smoke, die, smoke and die. And, and David Jeremiah says it was kind of comical watching people's reaction to the Surgeon General. They hated that guy. They thought that guy is just absolutely mean-spirited, polemical. How dare he tell me that if I smoke, I'm going to die. I just refuse to believe it. One man, listen to this. This one guy got so upset with all the advertisements in the newspaper from the Surgeon General. Well, guess what he did? He canceled his newspaper subscription. Instead of quit smoking, no, can't do that. And, and so Dr. David Jeremiah says, that is the same way with the Bible. Instead of reading it and saying, hmm, God may be smarter than me, God may know more than me, I believe it, what we do is we distance ourselves from it. When's the last time you heard a sermon on Revelation chapter 6? <laughs> You're not. I, I, doubt that, I doubt that there are going to be any, hardly any sermons preached on Revelation chapter 6 today because I want to tell you, it is mostly spiritually unpalatable. It's not a warm, fuzzy, 18 ways to have a more positive outlook on life. It's not one of those sermons. It is one of those sermons where, you, where you're gripped by the fierceness of God, and you, you're enamored with Him, you're overawed by Him, and you look up at Him and say, you're so awesome and you're so mighty, and I worship you. Some of you look at me and say, that's not the kind of religion that I want. Listen, friends, we get a lot of votes in America, but we don't get a vote on this. This is either biblical, genuine, true Christianity, or it's not. Now, I'm of the persuasion that I believe the Bible. I'm an, an what's the anachronistic? That's what I am. Anachronistic, I'm a dinosauric, archaic, antiquated fossil of yesteryear. That's what I am. I finally figured out who I am. I was born too late, I think. I really do. Because I still believe in the Bible. I still believe that God is who He says He is. I still believe that God is sovereign. I still believe that Jesus Christ, oh, glorious day, He will literally, physically, visibly come again. And I'm telling you, I wish it were today. Oh, glorious day. Man, I tell you, I about got Baptocostal on that song. I'm telling you that's a powerful song. I believe it. I believe it all. I believe from Genesis, Revelation, all the way to the maps, I believe it all. I want to talk to you today about the devastation of God's judgment. And there are six natural catastrophes that is, that is coming, that's going to happen to planet Earth. This is one of the reasons why I cannot believe that the Bible has been fulfilled in the book of Revelation. I have a hard time believing that those things that Revelation 6 talks about have already occurred. I still think they have yet to occur. There are six of them. We're going to look at this devastating judgment of God. And then number two, we're going to look at the determination of the earth dwellers. The determination of those who still live on earth, what their reaction will be to God and to the Lamb. Let's go through these six. Number one, there will be this earthquake. If you're taking notes, number one or A is called a great uh, earthquake. All preceding earthquakes 
will pale into comparison. They will be like a mere gentle breeze compared to this violent storm. You know, the Bible has a lot to say about uh, earthquakes. Psalm 68, 8 talks about the earth quaking at the giving of the Ten Commandments. The earth shook, verse 8. The heavens dropped rain at the presence of God. Sinai itself was moved at the presence of God, the God of Israel. 1 Kings 19, 11, and 12, Elijah experienced a powerful moving earthquake when Jesus died. Matthew chapter 27, the Bible says there was a quaking, a shaking of planet earth. And remember in Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas were preaching the word of God. They were put in the Philippian jail. And how did they escape? Well, the earth shook. It quaked. There was an earthquake. And so we see earthquakes not only back then, but we see them even up to our own time. The Old Testament counterpart text to Revelation 6 is undoubtedly Haggai or Haggai. Chapter 2, 21-22, speak to Zerubbabel, he said, governor of Judah, say, I am going to shake heaven and earth. I will overthrow the throne of kingdoms. I will destroy the strength of the Gentile kingdoms. I will overthrow the chariots and those who ride in them, the horses, and their riders shall come down, every one of them, by the sword of his brother." The first disaster or phenomenon that is coming is this massive, prodigious earthquake of all earthquakes in the Great Tribulation. Number two, the Bible says the sun will be blackened. He says that it will be black like the sackcloth of hair. Now, if you're taking notes, you may want to jot down the word goat's hair. In Palestine, they had these beautiful, glossy, black goats, and they would take this and harvest these the skin, if you were the hair of these things, and they would craft it, and out of them it would be like a mourner's clothing. And it had this distinct dark black color about it. And John says in this vision, he sees that the sun is black. Now, this is phenomenological language. Phenomenological language. Say that fast three times. The Bible uses phenomenological language, and we don't, we don't say it's in error or it's wrong to say that. Now, the sun will not be black. You know that. It will appear black. The moon will not be blood red. It will appear blood red. And by the way, we, we still use phenomenological language. Every meteorologist uses it every single morning and every single evening, and we don't say they're in error, do we? Because they say the sun will... No, it doesn't. Sun doesn't rise. Sun's stationary. The earth rotates. Isn't it amazing how the earth rotates in an orbital football shape? And at the same time, it's spinning. But Mr. Sun, Sun, Mr. Golden Sun, he's just standing there. He don't do nothing. He just, and he doesn't rise. He doesn't fall. But we don't, we don't fault the meteorologists for that because phenomenological language is man's attempt to describe the indescribable or the unscientific. Okay? So, we, so we don't fault John for this. Oh, but you have some professors at will. <laughs> you have some critics and some haters of Scripture that they will pounce on any opportunity they get to say that the Bible is in error. But he says the sun will be like, well, it'll be black. And then he says, well, let, let, me, let me read this passage in Isaiah 13 and Joel 2 because the Bible talks about 
in the Old Testament predicting this day when the sun becomes black. For the stars of heaven and their constellations will not give their light. The sun will be darkened in its going forth, and the moon will not cause its light to shine. Watch this one. Joel 2.31 says, The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood. Now watch this, church. Watch this. Before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. That's this day. That the sun will be black and the moon will appear as blood. Number three is the blood moon. Now, I'm not going to get into the blood moons today. I know John Hagee down in San Antonio has created this whole theory about the blood moons and traced them through Israel's history and so forth. I disagree with him. And if you want my opinion of it, I've written a piece on this, and we'll give it to you gladly. You can read it. I may be wrong. He may be right. Time will tell. But the blood moons. This blood, during the Great Tribulation, this moon will look as if it were bloodied. Now, one writer says this could be the cause of a total eclipse, that the moon has this deep copper appearance about it. I'm going to read to you an excerpt from a, uh, from a man that has gone on to be with the Lord, but what a brilliant, gifted mind that he had. His name was Dr. Henry Morris. He had a Ph.D. degree. Uh, it's not a post Whole digger, by the way. He had, a, he had a Ph.D. degree from the University of Minnesota in engineering, and he also had uh, the distinguished title of being over all the civil engineering department over Virginia Tech, the Hokies. He was over the whole department. Staunch believer in the Word of God. Staunch believer in a literal six-day creation. Can't imagine the ridicule that he received. But let me read a quote from him great mind that he had. Seismologists and geophysicists in recent years have learned a great deal about the structure of the earth and about the cause and the nature of earthquakes. The earth's solid crust is traversed with a complex network of faults, with all resting upon a plastic mantle whose structure is still largely unknown. Whether the crust consists of great moving plates is a current matter of controversy among geophysicists. So the ultimate cause of earthquakes is still not known. I love that, by the way. I love when scientists say, we know a lot, but there's just a lot we, we don't know. In all likelihood, the entire complex of crustal instabilities is a remnant of the phenomenon called the Great Flood, the Noahic Flood of Genesis chapter 7, especially the breakup of the fountains of the deep. In any case, the vast worldwide network of unstable earthquake belts around the world will suddenly begin to slip and fracture on a global basis, and a gigantic earthquake will ensue. I'm still reading him. He says, this is evidently and naturally accompanied by tremendous volcanic eruptions spewing vast quantities of dust and steam and gases in the upper atmosphere. This is probably Revelation chapter 6, where these will cause the sun to be darkened and the moon to appear blood red, end of quote. Those are three. Let's look at number four. The stars of heaven will fall. The, the Greek word asterisk, I believe it refers more here to asteroids or meteoric showers, the stars literally do not fall like the sun 
because we still see them during the fourth trumpet judgment. What we have here is a fireworks display never seen to man. Fiery, falling asteroids plummeting, pummeling planet Earth as God judges. I read one pastor, he said, it's like God wraps his hands around planet Earth and he shakes it. I read a bumper sticker years ago and it really grabbed my attention. It said, Jesus is coming again, and boy, is he mad. That's what it's saying. And I thought, you know what? That's, that's actually right. Now, some of you are having a hard time with this. I know you are. You're going, this makes me uncomfortable. I don't really, I don't really know if I, I believe this. I, I really don't know if, but it's true. Think, think about the Sitzim Laban. Think about the context of Revelation 6. Antichrist is being worshipped. He's literally being bowed down to and worshipped as the king of the universe. The Holy Spirit of God has departed. I believe 1 Thessalonians means the restrainer, the Holy Spirit is gone. Okay, The church is gone, and those who do believe are slaughtered and butchered and maimed. So put it in that context and, and look and see... Look and see what planet Earth is like. And by the way, I'm, I read all this, and it's in my notes. I, I, and you can read it if, you, if you're interested, but it's, it's many examples of the progression toward darkness that we are on a collision course with righteousness and judgment. So the stars of heaven will fall. Number five, the earth, or the, excuse me, the sky will recede as a scroll. Now, this is phenomenological language if we've ever seen it. The sky will not literally roll up like a scroll. I mean, it will not roll up in the sense that the sky splits apart, but it will look like it. Hey, by the way, have you ever been in a tornado? Have you ever been in a hurricane? It's exactly that. It's like the sky is, is ripped apart. In fact, that verb recede literally means to split apart. One writer puts it this way, he says, Tornadoes and hurricane force winds, they give the sky the appearance that it is actually splitting. John MacArthur puts it this way, he says, John likens the sky to an unrolled scroll that splits in the middle and rolls up on either side. This vivid picture finds a parallel in Isaiah 34, verse 4, which says, All the host of heaven will wear away, and the sky will be rolled up like a scroll. All their host will also wither away as a leaf withers from the vine or as one withers from the fig tree, end of quote. The last natural catastrophe, cosmic upheaval, if you will, would be this last one. The mountains and the islands are moved. Now, I'm not going to spend much time on that because it just goes to prove that if there is all of this disruption in the earth's crust and there are these massive um, earthquakes, and then you have the commensurate, you know, the ro waves rolling and the islands moving, you can see it will be a cosmic upheaval, uh, to say the least. Now, you would think that those who are on planet Earth, and, th and they can read, and by the way, we'll still have the Bible during the Great Tribulation, you would think that they would read the Bible and go, whoa, look, people, look what 
what's happening. It's a just like God said it would be. Let's all have, let's all have church. Let's all get saved. Let's all give our lives to Jesus Christ. Now you do absolutely, inexorably the opposite. Just like man today. Just like us today. You know, I was reading the parable of Lazarus and the rich man. Lazarus goes to hell, a real hell. I mean, excuse me, Abraham, yeah, Lazarus goes to heaven and the rich man goes to, goes to hell and he's crying out for mercy and, and he goes, oh, oh, please send Lazarus to tell my brothers so they don't come here and, and, and just let him tip my, my tongue with his hand because I'm just so thirsty. And, and Father Abraham says, no, it's too late. He goes, no, 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 no. He said, but if one rise from the dead... If he'll rise from the dead, send him back, and then my brothers will believe. And Jesus telling the story says, no, they will not, because one will rise from the dead. And that's him. He rose, he rose. Muhammad never did rise from the dead. No other prophet, priest, king, dignitary, nobody has ever reached down in the raw throat of death and conquered it and come out from it alive. You would think all of us would get on our knees and worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords because only one conquered death and yet by and large people say thanks but no thanks. Why is that? Why is that? Why won't they believe? Can they believe? Yes, they can believe, but they choose not to believe. The determination of the earth dwellers, number two, we will hide from God or the rocks will cascade upon us and we will no longer see his face. And they buy this lie of the evil one that if we just die, we don't have to face him. But you have to face him. You have to face him. He's everywhere. He's the monarch, the sovereign ruler of the universe. He created everything. You were not burped into existence out of primordial soup. You did not evolve from some grotesque monkey. I resent that statement. If that is true, why are there monkeys? Somebody please help me. Why did evolution all, all of a sudden stop? It's Satan's great lie. He'll get you to believe anything as long as you don't trust in the God of Scripture. But He's everywhere. Everywhere you turn, there is God in His majesty and in His glory. And it's like He is shouting from the heavens, believe, believe, believe before it's eternally too late. And many of you right here, right now today are rejecting him to your core. All you're trying to think of is how can I get out of this message? How can I get out of this church? Honey, do you think we'll come back to this church? No, I don't think so again because it's making me feel really uncomfortable. Just let me get out of here. And you walk out there, he's still there. He's everywhere. And he's drawing you. He's bringing you into salvation. Would you give up? Would you say, yes, Lord. Yes, God. You are a God of grace. You are a God of redemption. And if I say no, then I will get what I very well deserve. The determination in the volition of the heart of man, I cannot ex explain it, cannot understand it. L let me walk you through this exhaustive list. Can we put that verse back on the screen where it describes 
all the, the peoples. I think maybe verse 15. Let, let's, let's just let's look at these quickly. And the kings of the earth, the potentates, the princes, the presidents, the prime ministers, the kings of the earth, and the great men. Now the great men, who are they? They are leaders. They are maybe the ones pulling the strings behind the potentates. The rich, well, we know who they are. They control the commerce and the industry and the finance and the banking. The commanders, that one's really easy. That's the military leadership of the world. They are under the sway and the direction of the Antichrist. They're not following the real Christ because they've been duped into like this idiot in Mexico who says he's Jesus. I just like to lay hands on people like that. I'm just going to be all five foot six of me. We just like to lay hands on people. And these people have gotten 666 marked on their bodies. And they think this is the most grand thing because this guy says, I am Jesus Christ. There is no sin. There is no Satan. Just believe on me. And people are flocking to this idiot. And they are deceived. And, and somebody I read said, yeah, he, he, he strips bare everything about the church except the offering. Hmm. Give me your money. The commanders, the mighty men, the leaders of men, every slave, isn't that interesting? Do you know there are more slaves today than ever in the history of mankind? There are sex slaves. And if you don't believe that, you need to, you need to open your eyes and know that there are many ladies who are held captive against their will. Every slave, every free man, man. listen, this is an exhaustive list. Whether you're high or low, whether you're rich or poor, whether you are a leader of men or you're led by men, whether you're free or whether you're a slave, the entire population of planet Earth, by and large, will hide themselves in caves and ask the rocks and the mountains to crash down upon them anything, any, anything but to believe in Him. And yet they know exactly who he is just like we do in America. Verse 17, it says, the origin and the source of these judgments is Almighty God, and then it asks this rhetorical question, who can stand? Who is able to stand against God? It reminds me of Romans 8, 31. Church, if God is for us, who can stand against us? But if God is against us, who can stand for us? Listen to these verses. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Read on. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Nothing. Tribulation? Not even this tribulation. If I'm wrong and we're still here, then that's not going to separate us from the love of Christ. Distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword. None of these things. Yet in all of these things, we are more than Nikon, the Nikes of this world. We are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Church family, this is a day of rejoicing. This is a day where we applaud Almighty God and say, God, you are so true to your word. Nobody can accuse you of being unjust or unfair. You have given us a day of grace, a day of salvation. Listen, if you're here today and you've never surrendered your will 
to the will of God. I invite you. I implore you. I get on my knees before God, and I beg you, because if you're wrong, if you are wrong, then you lose everything, even your eternal soul. If I'm wrong, you live a good life, you suffer some persecution, you treat your fellow man well, and you, then you obliterate, then you don't exist. Those are your choices, by the way. Either the world is right or God is right. Again, I'm going to bank everything on the one who came out of the tomb. I, I don't know about you, but we all got to believe something. All right, We either got to believe ourselves, or we got to believe the enemy, or we got to believe what Jesus says. So I want to close with this, this word right here. Y'all please put this on my tombstone when I die. My favorite verse in all the Bible. This is the verse that God used January the 3rd, 1984. As a lost young sophomore in school. I remember, I remember like it was yesterday. I was on my knees in Mobile, Alabama, and I was so confused, conflicted. I was a minister. I was a leader on campus. And yet I was so conflicted and worried and fearful and like, God, I don't even really know if I know you. And, and I just had all this turbulence. And God just said, why don't you settle that now? And I said, what do I need to do? He said, you know what you need to do. You've been preaching it now for two years. So I got on my knees. I remember talking to God. I said, God, I know what the Bible says because I've memorized a, a lot of it. And it says... If you confess with your mouth and I, Danny, for she confess right now in my mouth that you are the Lord, you are the King. I believe with all my heart, God the Father raised you up from the dead. Your Bible tells me if I believe this and say this, then I will be eternally saved. And I want to tell you something, friends. I didn't see any lights flashing. I didn't hear any trumpets blaring. But there was a peace and a joy that came into my life that I have not gotten over. He radically came into me, and, and it, was as if, it was as if I was born again. I got up from my bedroom, and I found my brothers, all three of them, and I remember hugging them, loving them, embracing them, and telling them what had happened to me. And then I was baptized. Because, by the way, that's what you do when you get saved. You get baptized. It's your way. It was my way of saying I publicly believe in Jesus Christ. Now, had I died before I got baptized, I was still going to heaven. My Church of Christ friends, I was still going to heaven. Because I'm not saved by works, I'm saved by faith. Just believing on Him, confessing Him, okay? So, the last thing is, man, excuse me, y'all, I got... When you combine allergies with emotion, it sounds something like this. It's like when I was flying in, my, uh, in the F-15 fighter jet. That was an amazing experience with that young pilot. And he told me, he says, you sitting in the back seat? When you do your business, you need to turn that microphone off. I said, okay, I will. And I did. <clears throat> Twelve times I did. Four. Are, are y'all reading the same thing I am? What's the second word say? Wow. Whoever whoever you are, brilliant, 
mighty, gifted. Whoever you are, humble, poor, not very confident. Whoever you are, if you will call upon the name of Jesus Christ, you will be saved. Now listen to me carefully. If you don't, you will be damned. You say, I don't know if I like that. I don't, I don't like the choices in that. If there was a third choice, I'd be preaching it. But there is no other. And that's what marginalizes me. And that's what, that's what makes me and Great Hills different from many churches in America today because we still believe in the Bible. Hey, it all may end and we may find out that we're wrong. Then we're wrong, but I don't think so. I'm, I'm going with God. I'm going with His Word. And if you're here today and you don't know Him, I invite you to call upon the name of Jesus and escape the wrath of God, the judgment of God. Aren't you glad that Jesus Christ died and He took the wrath of God upon Himself so that you and I could go eternally scot-free if only we will believe. So I'm going to pray for you even now. If you'll bow your heads and close your eyes, we're going to pray and ask the Lord to save your soul to bring you out of darkness, to translate you into the kingdom of light. You say this is such an intolerable, myopic, provincial kind of faith. Where in the world would you ever get an idea like that? In an old ancient manuscript that is by and large rejected and neglected even by people who claim to know God. We're going to be a people of the book. We're going to call upon the name of the Lord. Would you do that right now? Would you say, Jesus Christ, I believe. I believe you died for my sins. I'm sorry. I give you my life. My life forever is yours. I'll get baptized. I'll witness. I'll give. I'll do whatever you tell me to do. Thank you for saving my soul. If that is you today, I invite you. Oh, I invite you. Would you come? Would you unashamedly and boldly step out of your seat, out of your pew, make your way down here at the altar, find some friendly face up here, find some pastor, some minister, and say, by faith I trust in Jesus Christ alone as my Savior. Help me, tell me now, what do I need to do? That's why we're here. That's why I preach this message. Out of compassion, out of love, I want you to know Almighty God as your Savior and King before you know Him as your judge. If you're here today and you're seeking the Lord and you're just, you're just feeling like, man, there's more. There's, there's more for me to be doing in the kingdom of God. And you, you feel a restlessness in your spirit. And you are disconnected from the body of Christ. And man, why don't you come? Why don't you get plugged in in a Bible teaching church and start serving, start living for the Lord from this place and let us help you, let us encourage you. Others of you today, I, I implore you in the name of Jesus Christ. You are living a duplicitous life, a hypocritical life. You profess with your mouth and with your mind that you believe, but your behavior is not concomitant with your lofty profession. I'm calling you out today. Would you repent? And would you say, God, forgive me. Give me the strength to live a Christian life, a consistent Christian life. So this is a day where in a moment we're going to stand and we're going to invite you to come. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Today, oh, today, the Savior is waiting. Why don't you let him come in? Father, I do pray 
with all that is within me, that this would be an altar of amazing grace, that the great exchange would happen at Great Hills right here, right now, as lives are transformed by the power of the gospel. Lord, thank you for bringing people to our fellowship. I pray that you would bring more. Lord, bring those people who are ready to do business with you, who are ready to sell out for you and to make a difference for the kingdom of God. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We acknowledge your sovereign rule. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand to your feet? Woo, come on now. This is a day, a day of salvation. I love this song, Terry. Jesus, Son of God. We're going to sing it. And as we sing it up here on the stage, why don't you come? Why don't you take one of these ministers uh, by the hand? Why don't you take somebody by the hand and say, Woo, I'm so glad I came today. I'm ready to give my life to the Lord. Even now, as we sing.